Well, hey, hello there, everyone. My name is Jan Elbert, and I am a homeschool mom of five kids. Um, I did that gig homeschooling them for 25 years from preschool all the way till they graduated from high school, and we moved them into college. Um, seven colleges, five kids. It's been quite a ride so far. Uh, I've written for homeschool magazines. I've been a product reviewer or all different kinds of curriculum for homeschoolers. I have a homeschool blog, um, done a variety of things. I'm a podcaster, just kind of all sorts of stuff. And those are really my credentials, just a short list of my credentials. So I'm kind of give you a reason to stick around for this workshop and maybe hear some of what I've got to share about planning. Homeschooling five kids is a lot of work. Planning is a lot of work. It's a key part of not just surviving, but thriving through homeschooling. Whether you are homeschooling for one year because of COVID this upcoming year, or you've been doing this for a long time and you just want maybe some new ideas, uh, this is a great workshop for you. So if I'm glancing off to the side, it's because that's where my notes are and I really don't want to forget anything that um, I think could help you plan well and succeed, like start the year well and finish the homeschool year well. Um, that's really the end goal of good planning. So if I'm glancing to the side, that's why. So um, it's kind of like the P word. Planning is like the P word, dun, dun, dun. You know, it's just like almost like a bad word in a way among homeschoolers. It can be really stressful. Planning is really, really stressful. For me, it was anyway. I had, you know, five kids, like I said, and it was just an overwhelming amount of work trying to make sure I got everything done. And you look at that pile of resources at the beginning of the year and you think, how do I do enough every week to be finished by the end of the year? Yeah, it's a great question. And I have some things that I figured out through trial and error that hopefully, uh, not hopefully, will for sure be a blessing to you through this. So don't be surprised if you're feeling stressed right now, homeschool mom or homeschool dad, if you're a homeschool dad who's watching. If you're stressed, that's normal. And if you're a brand new homeschooler, even if you're thinking this is just going to be due to COVID, this is just going to be a short-term thing, that's okay. This is a great place for you to be. It's normal to feel really super stressed. Um, you buy the curriculum, you make the plans, you plan the first week, and then you think, is this what I have to do for the next nine months? I have to plan like this? Well, it can just be like, uh-oh, what am I doing feeling? So um, I hope to help you get to where you feel like you're doing it right, not feel like you're somehow missing something. Because trust me, when God gave you the children that he gave you, he didn't make a mistake. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses, and he knows how to help you get done what he wants done in that child's life. You're not going to wreck your child by homeschooling them this year. And your child is not going to fail at life if you don't completely finish the history book. It's true. They're not going to fail at life. God is sovereign and he can take care of all of that. And I'm sure you can tell I'm a Christian. And so if I speak from that perspective, um, if you're not a believer, that's okay. I still think these tips will help you a lot. If you are a believer, then you understand uh, for what I what I mean when I say I I did this in the Lord's strength. I didn't homeschool 25 years, five kids in my own strength. And I'm so thankful that God was so gracious to me to help me through. And he kind of is the one who showed me how to plan and make it way easier than I ever dreamed it could be. So I'm going to give you my hard learned planning strategies. Um, I cannot promise to take all the stress away for you, but I'm sure going to do my best at encouraging you. That's kind of where my heart is for homeschool moms, encouraging them to get rid of the stress and the overwhelm and just walk forward to the next step that you have to take 
the next time you sit down to homeschool, which may be Monday morning, who knows? So, okay, so my goal is just to eliminate the overwhelm. Um, I'm type A, very action oriented. I like to get busy doing what works. And if something is not working and I know it's not going to somehow start working, no matter how much effort I put in, I want to scrap that and be done and move on. That's just kind of how I'm wired, how God made me. Uh, so to get this workshop started, um, I'm going to start with two little hints, like two sound bites of helpful info. You can write these down for sure. Um, one thing I would encourage you to do is either print out the PDF printables, which mine is down below this video. Um, and it is for all of my my workshops for this conference. There'll be a PDF down below. Print them out and take notes or a really great idea, really great idea that's super helpful. Get a notebook and put all of your conference session, the, the workshop notes in it from this conference. And then when you need to flip back through, they're all in one place. Or you can print out PDFs and have a binder. I know not every workshop will probably have a PDF. Um, and I keep mine pretty basic because I want you to be able to write down what you want to write down, not have it just be filled in with stuff that is not really relevant for your particular family homeschool. So maybe grab a notebook real quick. You can pause this, come right back with a pen and a notebook and put things down there. So you have everything together in one spot, super helpful. And you're not digging around for it later on. Okay. So number one, this little soundbite hint, number one, um, successfully ending this homeschool year will have a whole lot to do with how you manage the minutes that make up your homeschool day. It's gonna have a lot to do with what you do with your minutes. And I know you know that, but it's a great reminder right from the get-go. This works best, I found, with kind of a time blocking method. And that's what I'm gonna teach you about today. So we're gonna to get to that more in depth, but taking care of your minutes takes care of your entire homeschool year is what I found. And I need to block out time to be able to manage my minutes. Tip number two, you need to choose your heart. You, only you, can really choose your heart. There are seasons in life where your heart gets chosen for you. When my husband deployed and I was running a children's ministry and homeschooling five kids, my heart was chosen for me. It was just really hard. There was not anybody for, uh, well, back-to-back deployment. So two and a half years, there was nobody else for me to really ask for help other than a couple of weeks here and there when he was home. It was me, all me, all the time. We don't live close to family. Um, it just was me. So sometimes you can't choose your heart, right? So if you're homeschooling due to coronavirus, you're not entirely choosing your heart, but as much as you're able to choose your heart, I want to encourage you to choose the productive heart over the stressful heart as often as you can. So whenever you can choose the productive heart, do it. And if you have to, to, um, Avoid that stressful heart as much as you can, I guess, is the bottom line. Choose your heart. The stress of like weekly planning um, is is like a productive heart. The stress of panic planning, just trying to scramble and get this done for the homeschool, that's the stressful heart. We want to choose the productive heart. We want to be productive in our planning and make that our heart. Um, okay, so choose your heart and choose wisely. We're going to dig into my planning method that I use, Promise It Works, promise it works. Just uh, hear me out, take some notes um, and really give it a serious, solid try. If you get done with this workshop and you're like, yeah, I think I want to do that. Give it a real try, like a Cub Scout try. Don't just say, eh, I'm going to halfway try. Just really do this for a week or two and then you'll know this is going to work for us or not. Um, I really think it will. Number one, get a Google document or a piece of paper, something, but put in, um, add in all of your 
start with your activities. What activities are set in stone for your family for the week? Like um, pre-COVID, we did a lot. It was easy to fill this part of the process up really quickly with, you know, figure skating lessons and part-time jobs and dual enrollment classes and, and youth group and on and on it goes. Uh, right now it's a little different. It's different activities. It may be more online. Your, your daughter's ballet class may be online right now. Okay, put that down, right? If you know that there are piano lessons online or in person, if you know that you're going to be uh, every Wednesday at three o'clock is you have this thing at the library, the kids do this thing, and then you go over here and do this thing, get all of that stuff written down. I also want all of your all of your resources written down. I don't want to say books anymore because a lot of homeschooling is online. So every online class, um, all of the things that you're going to be doing, put those down. If you have a set time when you go to the grocery store, put that down on this document. It's going to seem like a lot. It's going to seem like a whole lot, but you have to kind of do a brain dump and get it out. And then from there, you can open up your planner. Okay. Here's another really important tip for me. Um, what I would do is I would put down, uh, do my brain dump here. And then I had a planner for me. And that was where I could look at everybody's schedules at a glance. The wall calendar is fine, but I ran out of room with five kids and they had a limit of two activities plus church activities. So, I mean, we ran nonstop. You end up pretty quickly at like 20 different things you're doing in the course of a week. In addition to schooling at all different times, the calendar filled up. So I had my planner where I could look at, you know, I would color code for five kids. What are we doing when, what's set in stone, where will I be at what time? And don't forget to consider driving time. If it's, you can't do math right up till three o'clock if the figure skating lesson starts at, at 3.15 and it takes 25 minutes to get there. You've got to have a little buffer there. So just save yourself the headache from the headache that I learned the hard way. Like, oh my gosh, I pushed this too far. We're late. Uh, so get all of that into mom's planner if you can. Each of my kids had their own planner and that's where their weekly assignments were and they could keep track of how they were progressing in their projects and write down any notes that they needed. And just their activities went on that um, calendar, if that makes sense. Mine was the master planner. And I also kept all of their grades in mind. So I would have one big fat planner every year with all of their grades in it. And I would list all of the resources they used for every subject. It just when it comes to creating transcripts or just if you want to even remember, what did we even study way back six months ago during history. I can't quite remember having it all in one place is great, but primarily for this, it's the, um, I need you to start getting everything off of that brain dump. That's, that's got a set time onto your planner. I like planners that have a double page for the month with big blocks for every day. And then for each week, just like the column with the time slot. So I can write down 11 o'clock, boxing lessons and right above it 1050 is when we leave to drive for boxing lessons right so get all of that on there first okay I'm going to switch my paper to my next page of notes here um and then once you're done with that then the next step is going to be to look for big hunks of time okay if that makes sense you're going to see them pretty quickly once you have it all timed out and written in those long columns you're going to be like oh Monday from 11 to 2.30, that's a big chunk of time when we are at home and nobody is doing, uh, going somewhere for classes, but also nobody's running around like to get, I need a laptop for this right now. Mom, can you help me set up that for that class? So consider online classes or online activities, kind of the same as going out for activities because 
there's always going to be some hook, you know, there'll be a headache. Mom, the Zoom thing isn't working. Can you come help me right now? So you can't really be planning to be doing geometry with this child if there's any possibility that the tablet is not going to be working for this kid, their, you know, cooking class or whatever at that moment. So look for the big hunks of time by planning out any extra activities just highlight those. That's not a big hunk of time. I'm talking about a big hunk of time where you are home with your kids and there's not other stuff interfering. Okay. So now you got it. You're beginning to get a visual image of what your, your planner should look like. This is really important. What you do with those big hunks of time. Remember I said you need to manage your minutes and use time blocking. That's what we're going to do here. Okay. So here's how this goes. I need you to be willing for a week or two to try this out. Plan as many of your homeschool subjects, your schoolwork during those big chunks of time as you possibly can. So if I've got that hunk of time, 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. on Monday, I'm going to get in as much as I can. And I'm going to tell you another secret. I want to do the hardest things for that day, the hardest subjects for that day or the hardest things for that week early in the week. I don't want them hanging on. So I dread them later on. And the whole rest of the week is like, oh, that thing is nagging on me. I don't want to do it. I have to do it. I like to get it done early um, that's a personal preference, but um, it works really well when you think of, when you start going through this process, you think, well, what what subjects do I teach in what order? How do I teach all these kids, all these different things in that time block? You want to think about what their hardest subjects are, because if it's really stressful for them, algebra maybe, it's going to end up being really stressful for you. So let's get those the stressful out of the way fast, right? Again, choose your hard. I would choose to do the stressful hard early and then it just makes the rest of the day a lot easier. You can breathe. The monkey's off your back. You're not dreading that thing that's coming and they're not either. Okay. So um, now you begin to take that hunk of time, 11 to two 30 on Monday. And you say, what do I put in this hunk of time? What do I put here? Okay. Listen, this is so much better than squeezing in teaching fractions while you're making dinner or trying to cram in um, some science reading while you're while you're driving to the orthodontist and you're having the kid read the book aloud while you're, you know, trying to answer their questions. This is, this is just please so much better. Ask me how I know this is so much better. So you got that hunk of time. What I always did was I would take one child and think of their hardest subject, right? So for me, I have five kids. So when I run through these examples, I'm going to say child one through child five or child five through child one. Uh, this is what I would do. I would take say child um, number five, um, I don't know, maybe they have a really hard time with math. I had some, some just math struggles with my kids. So I would say, I know I'm going to need 45 minutes to get through algebra two, this lesson with this child. I'm going to need every bit of that 45 minutes. So 11 to 1145 algebra two with child number three, whatever kid it would be. Right. So then, then in that 45 minutes, I don't want my other kids just running around willy nilly doing whatever, right. You don't want to be like thinking, I saw them just come in and get scissors and duct tape and they also grabbed the family photo album. I need to go see what in the world they're doing. I found one of my kids when they were little one time, she was about two and a half. She had like the, the chicken bone cutting shears, scissors on her nose. Uh, what are you doing? She said, I want to see what's inside my nose. So I learned like that's thank the Lord. Nothing happened. She didn't cut her nose off, but I was horrified. I mean, I was absolutely horrified. And I had to just always say on top of what are those other children doing while I'm teaching this harder subject with this child? Um, and it is important to have that time blocked 
for that harder subject for that child for a lot of reasons. Number one, they don't feel like their education matters if you are distracted and constantly allowing interruptions during that time. They need to know that they can ask any question and you're fully dialed in. You're not scrolling your phone either. Put that thing away, mom. Get it in another room during school hours. Just focus on that math lesson. It doesn't matter if you're bored out of your mind. This isn't really about you. This is about their education. It's really important. Your relationship with them will be so much better Like for the rest of your life. My oldest child is 27 years old. My youngest is 20. For the rest of their life, it will be better if you know that you, by investing this time now and being fully plugged in to this moment, it just makes a whole relationship better forever because they know you cared enough to set the phone aside, to block that time for them, to answer their questions. It builds a really great mother-child or father-child bond. It's so important to them. They know they can ask any question. It's their safe time. It's being guarded. It's precious to you. And that shows them that they're precious to you. That makes sense. Like if that's important to you, blocking that time, they're important to you. And they know that you're not trying to relearn algebra two. You're doing it for their benefit. So, okay. That's really all to say about that. But I hope that you will understand the time blocking seriously. But then also the cutting off the nose story. Wow. Um, take seriously how you plan for the other kids in that time. So I've got 45 minutes with child three. And every bit of that is going to be going into just focusing on them and this algebra lesson, right? So what do I do with the other kids? Well, child number five, I'm going to have them do a typing lesson. That takes about 20 minutes. So I've got 25 more minutes. So for that child in their little planner, I write, you know, this time I need you to do this typing lesson and then go do your uh, reading in the book at a child's history of the world. Maybe that's a great history book or a history of medicine. Throw it out exact names of books here that really were great. A history of medicine, fantastic book. Every homeschooler needs to read it. You can count it as a little bit of science, a little bit of history or just literature. It's great. I love that book. You read that for the next 25 minutes. Um, child number four, let's say uh, piano practice. You need to get in an hour and a half. So this 45 minutes is your first portion of that. And another time you're going to do another 45 minutes of um, this week piano practice. So you're practicing piano. I, I can hear it from the other room. And so I'm going to know if you are cutting out early or not fully practicing, practice piano. Uh, the next child, literature. And for my kids, when they did things like world literature, another, another hint for you, colleges like it when, when, uh, homeschoolers have world literature, not just American lit and British lit. World lit looks really, really good on a transcript. It stands out and you want to stand out. You want to make your child seem like this school wants them. So world literature. I would let my kids read ahead. I always had plenty of extra books for all of their literature and reading subjects so that they could, if they read ahead, that's fine. Uh, read. Avid readers are um, lifetime learners. So it's not a bad thing if your kids want to read. So if they, I wasn't worried like, well, they're going to get ahead on that. So what? Totally fine. Finish the book early. I'll have a, a backup, another book for you to continue reading. Um, and then the last child might um, be in the garage working on small engine repair, a high school elective. So you see, I would just, and that's, I know 45 minutes can be spent on that. No problem. And then you know, I've got more time. It's 1145. So real quick, you do a switcheroo and you try to think by right about that time, you go put away all your books, you take this and away. And the next child shows up at 1145. And they've got their next hard subject. So kind of the same thing then with that child I do. Um, you know, and I might need to do science with the lab, we're going to have a lab day. And if your kid is in middle school or high school, 
do the labs, right? Apology of Science, and you can go to home training tools and get the kits that have everything in them that goes with Apology of Science. It's good science. It's not junk science. It's awesome stuff. And there are some not great science programs out there for homeschoolers. So, and you do the lab, right? And that's going to take that time. So your other kids might be doing, um, I don't know, practice your math facts and then read your uh, phonics reader book, right? For maybe a younger child. Um, I need this child to do uh, American history. And here's another hint when it comes to history. Choose living books as often as you can. If you can choose a textbook or a living book, pick a living book. Pick a living book, okay? You may not know what that is. Totally fine. Write it down in your notes. Uh, Google living books for homeschool. Just Google living books for homeschooling and you'll get all the information on that that you need, right? So the child reading living books, they're not, they're going to actually learn it and remember it and be impacted by it, which is really the point of studying history. It's not really about having enough facts memorized to pass a worksheet test at the end of the week. Why even really as homeschoolers, why even teach it? Like you want it to impact them. What does, what can we learn from history? That's the point of history, living books. So um, then I might have my other kids would be um, moving my paper again. Sorry if you hear that or see that. It might be having a photography elective. We had a daughter who was very interested in photography and she's now a wedding photographer. So we built an elective for her. Not that hard to do. I'm not going to really get into that right now, but um, you can, you have room with electives to build and create courses based on your children's interests. And you never know how that might bless them down the road later in life. So she would be doing photography, um, uh, calculus homework for our other student who was in dual enrollment and that homework was going to be due. Um, so you just make time to get the homework done before they go back to the next class. Does it kind of make sense how that works? And then you use up that hunk of time and you've gotten a lot done in, I don't know, two, two and a half hours. And you have two and a half to three and a half hour hunks of time at home. You can get a ton of work done. Okay. Um, my little dog is down below me. So if you hear him snoring, that is, uh, that's what you're hearing. He's in a very old little black pug and he's sweet as can be and has to be with me. So if you hear him snoring, just kind of chuckle and keep moving. Okay. So time blocks can be really whatever amount of time works for you. I like that 45 minute hunk of time. You can get a lot done. Um, you might not always be able to get everything done, but here's another thing about homeschooling. They shouldn't have a lot of homework. Technically, all of the work they do is homework. It's all done at home, but they shouldn't have a lot of stuff carrying over into the evening. If you are with them and you can answer those hard questions, right? They're easy subjects. They're not going to have homework for. Homework is when you can't get it all done in the amount of time that's given. Um, in a classroom setting, it makes sense. You have one teacher. You have 25 students. You can't get all the questions answered and there's by the time they teach the lesson and answer everybody's different questions as they teach the lesson, the new math concept, there's just not time. You might get it like five problems done in class, but you're not going to get 30 done, right? So this changes that up. A lot of your um, your work should be done when you're working on that lesson. It will come a lot more quickly because they don't, they're not waiting their turn to ask the question or thinking, I don't want to ask that. I feel dumb um, or whatever it might be. They just can work with you as they have questions. So they shouldn't have a lot of homework. So you should be having time with your family in the evening. And have we not all learned during COVID how great that is? Like there are things we were trading out for the busy hustle bustle, go and do what everybody does kind of lifestyle. We didn't even know how great it would be. I mean, I think the family dinners around the table 
um, puzzles, games, taking family walks and bike rides. There are things that we have that we don't want to trade out, if that makes sense. Like um, a good rule of thumb is to always think uh, when things go back to normal, like you have to stop and check yourself and say, what should be normal for our family now? What are we going back to? Do I want to go back to the exact way that things were? Does my family want to go back to the exact same way that things were? Or do I want to weigh that out carefully and consider what am I going back to? Is this really worth going back to? Maybe not. So um, just keep that in mind that there's some things you want to hold on to and value that have come about as uh, a result of this very unique time that we're living in. So time blocks. I like that 45 minute hunk of time do whatever works for you, right? I mean, it can be, sometimes when you have little kids and really short attention span, 15 minutes is a good rotation through a hunk of time. Um, plan it out as you need to. And now when they get older, they don't need to be told what to do. Like when your kids are in, in high school, I don't have to make sure they're not going to cut their nose off with the, the chicken boning shears, right? Like I don't have to regulate all of the time. That's a tool that you use as you need to. And it sometimes falls away a little bit. They do need that hunk of time very much so for that hard subject where it's just you focused on them and that time is guarded. They don't need you to tell them exactly when to do whatever, you know, when to get their dual enrollment homework done. Listen, if they're not getting their homework done, their dual enrollment class, you got a much bigger issue than nagging them to get the homework done. You have to question whether or not they're ready to go to college because you're not going to be there to hold their hand when they're in college and you wouldn't want to be right. Those are called helicopter parents for a reason. Um, I, my mother once asked me, what is your end goal when your kids are grown anyway? And I said, well, I said, you mean 18? She's like, yeah, when they're done with high school, I said for them to be 18 year olds who are adults when they reach adulthood, I want them to be adults. And she's like, Oh, Oh, it's a much, it's a good place to build a foundation on. Right. That's my end goal. Good quality for us. Christian young people entering into the world, um, they needed to be ready to go to college as people, right? And if they're not getting their dual enrollment homework done and you're nagging them, you have bigger issues to think about. There's character issues to think about. So I encourage you to do that. Again, choose your hard. It's harder later. It's harder later if they really crash and burn at college. Um, it's easier to choose your hard now, deal with it now rather than deal with it later. Um, Okay, so I think you understand the time blocking method. Just kind of tweak what you need to do to make it work for you. But the basic concept, you get it. And I'm sure you can see, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I can see how that would make my my planning, my whole week a lot easier. It's a simple concept. But really, I found in life, sometimes the simplest of things are the things that they work the best over the long haul. Like if success is your end goal, then sustainability needs to be your right now goal because I'm not going to cross the finish line if I can't sustain that. That's true of anything. Uh, you're trying to eat healthy. You're trying to have an exercise, exercise plan, um, whatever it might be. Like homeschooling, sustainability is really important to get to success at the end. So uh, start the school year thinking sustainability. This plan, you can do this all year long and it will keep yielding fruit. It will bear fruit. It will yield results. It'll be worth it. Um, there might be other methods you could try that might not work as well for you, right? And part of why this is sustainable is because you can tweak it for your individual family's needs. So total transparency and honesty with you here right now. Uh, yeah, this is a fair amount of work. It can be a lot of work, especially the first week or two that you do this. But um, also total transparency. You do this a couple of weeks and you're going to find it's pretty easy to block out 
time. You're going to figure out this is when I want to do this. This is when I want to do that. It's not going to be as hard over the long haul as, um, you know, you got one kid screaming from the bathroom that there's an emergency because they, they tried to flush a whole box of tissues down the toilet, you know, because that's not going to happen because they know they're supposed to be over here doing their art project, like just right around the corner where you can kind of see them and see if they try to sneak off. Right. Cause some kids do that. We had a daughter who would like to go and hide and watch um, deal or no deal. I mean, not deal or no deal. Um, let's make a deal. I'm like, where, what you're like hidden in this corner of this room with a really old 13 inch TV watching reruns of let's make a deal. What's behind door number three. It's like, what? So yeah, I mean, it's funny looking back on it, but it's like, what in the world is going on? So um, yeah, that was stressful hard. Like I can't find her or kids tattling on her mom, mom, mom. That the productive hard was knowing I can see you working on that right around the corner. I can hear the piano playing. So I know you're doing your piano lessons and I can still be fully engaged right here. So um, don't let your hard choose you whenever possible. You choose your hard because you are the parent and this is your home. And so you get to choose. I hope that makes some sense. Um, and then I talked about planning, starting with the hard subject and squeezing it in. Uh, and don't feel bad about that no interruption rule. That's a good rule of thumb to have. Like if, if for me, it was like, is someone bleeding? Is someone unconscious? Uh, I really don't think you need to interrupt me right now then. And they really grew to understand, oh, this whole thing of I need a snack right now, that's not going to get it. That's not going to get it. I don't know how to do that. Where's the glue stick? I wasn't going to get it. Like there were going to be, um, I don't know, whatever, sit on the on the deacon's bench and have a nice long time out. What are consequences are not necessarily a bad thing. Don't be afraid of those in your homeschool. They can be very beneficial. You need that child who really is having trouble on that subject to know you are committed to helping them figure it out and understand it and master it. You're committed to them. They need to know that. They're going to feel very unstable. They're going to feel like they're drifting out on the stormy sea if you're not willing to do that. And so it's not about being mean to the other child. It's about um, doing the hard right thing for the child who really needs it in that area. And then you do that with all of your children because they're all going to have an area where they struggle. Uh, and sometimes this may require you to do a little research on your own in the evening. I would have to study up. Sometimes I would have to learn that concept really well the night before I taught it uh, because I maybe wasn't as perfect at it as I wanted to be. Sometimes I would have to get outside help. Also not a bad thing can be a very good thing, but um, guard that time. It's worth it. It's not wrong to guard that time and be kind of a disciplinarian, a little bit fervent about that. Okay. Um, I am right at half an hour of talking now. And so I want to roll into what I said was going to be maybe a little bit of a bonus on this electives and transcripts. I'm kind of going to go fast because that's not the main point of this um, of this workshop, but I think this will be helpful. Let's, let's look into electives. What's an elective? And this is mostly electives count in middle school as well as high school. If you do an elective with your child in middle school, any work that they do in middle school that could be work done in high school should go, ought to go, rightfully belongs on their transcript. So keep that in mind. Electives start in junior high in middle school. Uh, start early because boy, you're going to kind of want to pad that transcript, if that makes sense. Because if you're really working hard on the transcript for the intent of them going to college, you want to um, 
use everything you can to that child's advantage, if that makes sense. You never know what scholarships might come in. You just don't know. You don't have any idea. So um, start electives in middle school. Um, and also starting them in middle school is good because they have things they're interested in. They want to learn more about. They're going to be way more plugged in and committed to this whole homeschool thing. If you're like, well, what is your interest? It's photography. Great. Let's see what we can do. We'll build an elective for you. And they know three times a week they get to do something they really love. Bingo. Win-win. Happy, uh, happy homeschool students makes happy homeschool mom. Boy, happy life, right? I mean, happy wife, happy life. If you're a homeschooler, you, to be a happy wife, you need to be a happy homeschool mom in some levels, in some ways. And happy kids help with that. Okay, electives are any course that is that are completed for credit and they fall outside of the boundaries required by your state or your school district, their graduation requirements. So um, algebra is not an elective. It's not going to be, right? It's just that's going to be required three, four years of science and three high school science labs, those aren't electives. Um, small engine repair, that's an elective. Horticulture, that's an elective. Um, it could be baking, that's an elective. And I'll give you some ideas at the end of this. So 24 to 26 credits are usually needed to graduate. And you need to go to hslda.org or check your state's requirements to make sure that's general, that's not specific to you. Um, but that's, that's pretty average, 24 to 26 credits. I want you to think about this when you're starting the whole electives process. Is this child probably going to go to college? Is college likely in this student's future? If so, then for electives, you want to consider um, college prep courses. An ACT prep course, that is an elective, and you can put that on the transcript. Um, dual enrollment classes, at a local college. They can be a local Christian college, a local community college, as long as those credits roll over. If your child is going to go to college out of state, you want to be careful with what they study as dual enrollment classes at like a community college. You need to ask hard questions about will this roll over. Stick with the one the classes that will that will roll over. Okay. So dual enrollments can be electives. They're not always, but like a welding class, that's an elective. Um, to comp one that's not an elective. That's a class that counts as English credit in the homeschool and as college credit. Okay. And um, history, be careful with history classes because rolling those to out-of-state colleges, they may not count them. I learned the hard way. Not a happy mama when I realized, wait, what? Especially modern history classes, uh, world history, they're more likely to take. American history, they're really picky about. So, okay. There's FYI on that. So dual enrollment, uh, classes are a great option if your child is going to go to college, most likely. Um, you can get take a class for 80 bucks that normally would cost $845 a credit hour. So 80 a credit hour, 845 So you're saving them money on their college future. We have a daughter that graduated um, this year in May um, with a double major and a concentration, and she graduated a semester early. She worked hard. She did some summer classes during her college career, and she did classes, dual enrollment beforehand to get those gen eds. Your gen eds, get them out of the way if you want to. I know that not every college admissions officer wants to say this because the college loses a lot of money if you have a lot of your gen eds done. And they say, well, don't do that because you need that time to figure out what you want to do. Uh, God's more than able to show your child what they want to do. If they want to go to college with a really big head start on, on credits, go for it. It's awesome. Um, okay, so college prep courses, dual enrollment. Uh, electives really do stand out on that transcript. They make it pop. And as homeschoolers, we want to make their transcript pop. You want to stand out in good ways. It's a good thing. 
with admissions offices. You want to stand out. So dual enrollment gives the student some confidence, too, about going away to college. They'll know that they can do it. They'll know that their grades are legit, not just mom grades, because that's even if you're a super strict, very kind of arbitrary grader, they still wonder, did I earn this grade or is this because mom kind of favors me because I'm her kid? They go to a few of these classes and that goes away. They realize, oh, I can actually do this. And that's a good thing for them to know before they go to college. So dual enrollment classes um, can be weighted. Those grades can be weighted on your transcript, okay? So um, if a class like Comp 1 were worth one credit in your high school, right? Like for per your, it's one credit class. Then with dual enrollment, a weighted grade means it's worth 1.5 or one and a half credits, okay? And that's how you list it on the transcript because they're taking a, high, a college course while they're still in high school, it becomes weighted. This is how you can get your child's GPA above 4.0 very easily. If they do well and get good grades in their college dual enrollment classes, it weights it and you can have a much higher GPA. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. You're talking scholarships. Um, it just changes the dynamic when they start applying to colleges. So uh, it, let's see. And I'm going to talk more about credits in one second. But also that higher GPA, again, looks good to admissions officers at admissions counselor, they want to see, they see so many applications. They want to see something unique. It, it's, it stands out to them, gets their attention. And that's a good thing. So your child is not going to go to college. Do you still need dual enrollment? Well, no, you don't need it, but there might be some things they want to take. They might want to start if they know they want to weld, start taking welding classes at that much lower $80 credit hour versus $500 credit hour rate, um, which is not out of line at all. It can really cost that much per credit hour get them started on that path anyway, if there is an interest there, right? Okay. Um, but you can still create really great electives for your student, even if they don't want to go to college. Uh, you can, like I mentioned our daughter's photography interest. We built an elective based on that. She wanted to spend money on a new camera, digital camera. We said, mm, I don't know, that's a lot of money. And I'm just not sure. I know you say you want to take pictures, but what if you change your mind? So we built a course, learned everything you can about the DSR camera you have right now. Buy some used cheap books on photography on Amazon and study those. We just built a course and then take pictures and let's see, are you, what are you learning? How are you applying what you're learning? How are you edit with what free software you can find first before you invest in Photoshop? So, and so on. And, um, worked out well. She still loves photography. I can't imagine her doing anything else. She's an amazing photographer. Martha Stewart Weddings, uh, picked her up when she was a sophomore in college. How cool is that, right? Like, I uh, got a lot of scholarship money for her photography portfolio. You just never know. So uh, even if they're not going to go to college, you can build an elective around an interest, and it doesn't have to be hard to do that. Um, how much time do you and your student have available for electives? Consider their part-time job, driving to and from, any classes. Um, how much is this going to cost? Just think about those things beforehand so you can... Um, do you know going in? And also, I really want to encourage you to remember their normal coursework needs to get done. It's terribly important. It can't all be electives. Electives are on the side, Clyde. They're like the gravy on the mashed potatoes. Uh, they're the whipped cream on the dessert. They're not the most important thing. You might want them to be, and they might seem like they are, um, but you have to have time for them to get all of their other coursework done. Okay. Uh, sports schedules too. And also sports count as electives. If your child, uh, 
teaches swimming lessons to little kids and swims a lot during the summer. That's an elective. Put it on the transcript. Doesn't matter if it's during the summer or not the traditional school year. Get it on there. Okay. Um, grading electives are, it can be a little bit tricky because there's not really an answer key. So I want you to think about you're not grading just like, um, don't be a harsh grader. Be a grader about what's the completion level. Did they learn a new skill? Did they accomplish something? They probably deserve a pretty solid A then. Were they flaky about it and didn't put much into it? Then they don't really deserve an A. I think that makes sense. I know it's just reminders. You know all the stuff. This is just little quick reminders for you. Um, evaluate the work done and what the the end outcome will be is maybe more important than you know, did she take perfect pictures? Well, of course not. Did she grow and learn and work hard at it? Yes, she earned the A. Okay. Um, mastery doesn't have to be perfection when it comes to electives. It's important to know that. Uh, and sometimes you can have an expert do the teaching of the electives. Totally fine. Sometimes you got to pay the man and get the blessing, right? A few ideas here. Home ec, sewing, baking, lawn care, horticulture, gardening, small engine repair, photography, painting, Sports lessons, if they're teaching them, that's great. If they're learning, that's an elective. Foreign languages, and that can even be Latin or Greek. doesn't have to be the normal stuff. Um, watching Spanish soap operas is a great way to become fluid in Spanish. Just a tip for you there. Drum lessons. Music appreciation. They don't have to play an instrument. They can. You can create a music appreciation course. Bingo, that works. Um, music theory. Ooh, get that knocked out early. If your child's going to be a music major, invest in a high-quality music theory class as an elective during high school. Ooh, baby, they'll thank you later. Trust me, that's like the worst of the worst right there. Um, pretty much any skill your child might need to learn can be an elective, okay? I'm trying to really rush here to get to keep finished on time. Um, it's okay for your students, especially your sons, to get up and get away from their desks. So you can create a woodworking elective, like, um, or lawnmower repair pick up a mower at a garage sale and then do the work that needs to go into fixing it. You might buy a book on small engine repair, cheap used on Amazon, um, have YouTube videos that they watch and you can keep track of that and say, you just watched these three videos, but no more. I don't want you in a, in a, in a show hole in a YouTube loop, right? Um, don't fall into that. Like, and then they, even if the lawnmower never really runs again, if they learn a lot, that can be completing the course to mastery with an A, okay? Um, boys sometimes need to get up and move, so it's okay to find things for them to do. A building a fence, that's woodworking, lots of options here. Okay, so keeping track of electives and the time spent. 120 hours equals one credit. So they spent 120 hours on it, one credit. 60 hours on it, half a credit. 30 hours on it, 0.25, a quarter of a credit. That's how you just want to keep track of the time spent to assign the proper credit. Um, and this is how all credits work for high school. So it's a, it's a time investment thing. So you need to know that too for how to list them. Transcripts, admissions counselors, they don't want some 10 page thing landing on their desk or in their inbox. They don't want that. It's too much. You need to create a document that's abbreviated, reader friendly, crystal clear in conveying why the student will benefit that university. Why should you want my child to come here? Okay. Uh, to do that, um, you have to pare it down, but also put the information in. And I recommend um, Google transcripts, look at some images, high school, high school, homeschool transcripts, and use a transcript generating program. Homeschool transcript generator. Um, having your stuff stored 
somewhere away from your own device can be a good thing. I've lost everything before um, and been like, I don't even understand. I've paid for programs to download and had everything lost when I had it on a remote server. Yes, bingo. Plus you can switch things up if they want um, more detailed course descriptions. You can, if you've already entered all that information, you can just push a button. I want a transcript that's weighted and I want one that's unweighted. You can push a button and it automatically changes it and you download it and email it off to them. Um, again, I'm sorry, I don't have tons of time to go into that, but you get the idea. If you, if you will spend the money on that, it will be well worth it. I promise. Um, and if you do create your own, don't use a pretty font, no fun fonts, just stick to times new Roman 12 point font and send it off like that. Nothing pretty. No, no, no. Okay. We don't need to, you jazz it up by their electives and their work and their accomplishments. You don't jazz it up by trying to make it look pretty. Just don't, just don't. Okay. Um, Google. Real quick search for high school transcript formats. Uh, I do really prefer a program that's um, kind of done for you where you just plug and play sort of a thing. Uh, and you might you might prefer that as well. They're usually pretty affordable. Okay, course titles. Keep course titles simple on the transcript. They want minimal words, but maximum clarity. And again, this isn't about you. This is about them thinking your student has a wow factor. Okay. So you really got to think about what about them? I think about a job you've done where somebody didn't think about how hard it was for you and person after person after person just thinks about themselves as they come to you. And then you get that person who thinks about you and you're like, Oh, I like them. I like them. That's the mom you want to be on the homeschool transcript. You want to make them go, Ooh, they were really considerate. I like them. Okay. Um, home ec totally explanatory. Spanish one, Spanish two. You don't need any more information than that. Music appreciation, uh, world literature. Again, they like to see world literature and that when you, um, that's pretty self-explanatory. They may want a list of the specific titles, books that you read. Just make a note of that somewhere in your planner or something so you can get that to them um, for like world literature. Um, so it's like, uh, and if you need to give more information, you're going to write it like this. You're going to put um, driver's ed hyphen elective. Okay, like it's just the title hyphen elective, um, Spanish one hyphen elective, basic. They know exactly what it means. You are going to want to um, sign the transcript. It sounds silly. I know it'll be a headache when you're like, I just want to download it and send it. Well, you probably for the official transcript after they're they finished because they're not done with school when you're applying at colleges. So that's um, an unofficial transcript. The official one that they're going to need a copy of, you're going to sign it. I signed it as guidance counselor. My husband signed it as principal and really, really important. Put a date on it. They need a graduation date, a specific exact graduation date. Easy for us. We had our kids graduate with a um, teaching parents association graduation ceremony, and that was the date, but it's easy to forget to put that date down. If you just do kind of a, a graduation at home, pick a date, put it down, it's bad later when they're like, oh my gosh, it invalidates the whole transcript and it becomes a nightmare if you're getting ready to move your kid to college and then you get a panicky phone call. This isn't legit. Uh, just put a date on it. Put a graduation date on it. Um, do, do, do. Okay, here's just another thing about course titles. Like if you're teaching American history, that's way too vague. Like I said before, driver's ed, they know what that means. They don't need anything else. American history, what? You know, that's just too much. World history, what? That's too much. You need to narrow it down. So I would put American history hyphen 1860 to the present hyphen, right? And then move on with the grade on the transcript. Um, and if they need more in-depth descriptions, they'll let you know. A big hint on this one, if you are applying to almost anywhere in the country, colleges, you're going to be good pretty much with this, except one part of the country I found, that upper northeast corner of the United States. 
they want information. They want course titles and they want short course descriptions and they sometimes want long course descriptions. And a lot of the time they're going to want an entire listing of every single resource you used, every online curriculum, every book you read, that kind of a thing. Um, just keep track of that so that you can create that and send it to them if they need it. But be prepared. Those upper northeast corner schools, they want a lot more of that. OK, last thing uh, for this. Oh, Also, don't wait on this. Don't do all this graduation week from graduation week till move in to college day. Your life's a blur. Do as much of this early as possible. Keep up with the transcript like every two weeks. Just log in. Eh, where am I at? Where am I at? Have your planner next to you and then add things as you need to make changes. Um, and you're going to be glad you did later. Okay, um, how to assign credits. Okay, like I said before, uh, the Carnegie method of credits is what most places use pretty much across the board in America. So 120 hours equals one credit hour. Uh, and then we did the math on that. 60 is half, 30 is a quarter. And remember that weighted, weighted lessons are one and a half credit, right? So if it's comp one and they took the whole class for a semester, that's your 120 hours. You don't have to keep track of the hours. If it's dual enrollment somewhere else, Trust me, that's fine. Even if they only went 100 hours, it counts as a credit. That's a credit. You just wait it and it's one and a half credits. Um, piano lessons, say they're one and a half hours a week and they practice six days a week with whatever, an hour at home. Okay, they're going to get to 120 hours in a semester. If they do it both semesters, it's one credit. Don't write it as two credits. Just write, break it down per semester on the transcript. One credit for this semester, one credit for that one, and so on. Um, if driver's ed, if it's a 30-hour study course, that's half a quarter of a credit. If it's another 30 hours of driving time, they get 0.5, half a credit. Okay. Um, that is really about it. I will encourage you find me in the Facebook group or down below, leave comments or questions. I will come back and be checking them and answering whatever I can. I know this was, this was a lot in a little bit, but hopefully it gives you just basically the confidence to know you totally can do this. So I just want to leave you about done here. I want to leave you with some encouragement. You can do this. You can do this. Homeschool mom, homeschool dad, homeschool kid, you can do this. And if you're a new mom who's watching this, who's listening, and this is like new because of coronavirus, um, just remember, pray a lot, pray a lot, extend a lot of grace to your kids, to your spouse, but to yourself. Give yourself tons of grace every single day. Just um, believe God can do a lot this year in your family through homeschooling. Trust him for that because there's more going on than you even really know. Uh, never doubt, at least, at least don't let doubt linger very long, but try not to ever doubt as to whether or not you are fit to homeschool. I'm telling you, you are, you are, you can do it. You're fit for it. God will be in it with you. He didn't make a mistake when he made you the mom of these kids in 2020 during the time of coronavirus. He'll be with you. You can do this. So thanks for spending this time with me today. I hope that something I said encouraged you. I look forward to maybe meeting some of you, chatting with you um, in the Facebook group. And I do have um, an offer like in the swag bag. I want you to just maybe check that out. And this is Jan Elbert signing off. Thanks so much for being here. Bye-bye.